Welcome to Procurement Reimagined, a podcast by Gatekeeper. We believe traditional procurement has had its day, the world is changing, and our industry needs to change with it. On the podcast, we share the best practices to help you streamline your procurement processes, navigate vendor onboarding, and ultimately get the most value out of your vendor contracts. I'm your host, Daniel Barnes. Sarah Kay, Vice President of Procurement at Spin, joins us today to discuss the role of cost-cutting and control in driving organizational value. Sarah shares her insights on how cost control is a proactive activity, whilst cost-cutting is reactive, and how these strategies need to be aligned to positively impact the company's bottom line. Sarah, I'm genuinely intrigued by your current role and also your previous role. So I was kind of hoping you could just firstly tell me as much as you want to about yourself because I've looked through your career. It's incredible. And just let me know what you're up to at the moment with SPIN. Yeah. So I've worked in quite a range of different industries and uh, both ranging from small to medium, more of the startup that have grown really fast to large global corporations, you know, some of them including Target, Radisson Hotel Group, but starting in a manufacturing ladders and step stools business. So I've definitely had my share of experiences with the strategic sourcing on the very direct material side through corporate contracts, SaaS agreements, and a lot of late nights with China, a lot of trying to figure (laughs) out how technology works. But yeah, in my current role, it's really a culmination of my background as a very mature startup that grew really fast. So Spin is a San Francisco-based micromobility company. We have electric scooters, electric bikes, and they're rentable around the U.S. I was hired here to create the procurement department. So really be the procurement person number one to build out the policies, the process. They had an ERP, but uh, definitely needed a lot of optimization and reworking, you know, at what point in the end-to-end process each stakeholder was involved. So that was really was my role. And it's really an exciting topic for me because having us talk today about cost control, because my CEO, a former CEO, it's been actually dubbed me the cost czar because it is very much top of mind, as it is, I'm sure, at a lot of other companies, but very much a title I proudly wear because it is something that's so relevant in our industry. And I think at every company, whether it's small or large, you know, costs are very, very important. Yeah, that's a really cool intro there. I just, on an aside, regarding like the electric scooters and bikes, I'm just such a fan of them. Like I don't have one yet. I would love to. They're a little bit funny in the UK with the electric scooters, but pretty much everyone has one. Every time I'm out, people zoom past me on these electric scooters. They're just, they're incredible. They are. They're so fun. And actually, even just whether you're just going on a simple errand or for a date night, I mean, it's a great super fun way to get around. And in Europe, actually, our company, we were acquired by Tier Mobility. So Tier is the more of the teal colored one. So if you've seen those around, definitely take a ride because uh, they're all over in Europe and UK and based out of Berlin. So they are, they're really, really fun and eco-friendly, right? I mean, I I love this analogy that people are saying, you don't need to always take a pickup truck to go run an errand. Like, be thinking more about the environment and about the gas emissions we're putting out. Because if we don't start making a change in how we're actually living our day-to-day lives now, I mean, we're really not setting ourselves up for the future. So I, I really love the value that the scooters bring in that in that sense. Yeah, that's a nice value to have, right? And it's something I'm incredibly conscious of as well with just my day-to-day. So like, if I've got to run errands around town, 
Like I used to always take my car and it's just a petrol car, nothing too big or too powerful. But now I'll just cycle or walk. And like, I've got so much fitter in the last like year or two, just doing that, especially without COVID. Uh, yeah. So yeah, kind of feel like I'll need a, an electric bike or scooter at, at some point. Or just not one of ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I live in such a small town, sadly, that we just don't get anything cool like that come to this town, which is a slight downside. Uh, you mentioned, uh, can you mention your nickname again? Was it the uh, the Cost Sar? Was it yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah? That's what a former CEO at. at been yeah it was definitely a badge of honor i'll say <laughs> yeah no definitely i really like that and for people listening and again and i see so much commentary on cost on price on cost control on cost cutting things like that like what is the difference between cost control and cost reduction from your perspective yeah so many people i think do get these two confused but they are quite different so cost control is more the process to control an organization's overall cost of operating it actually stems from the budget side it's a proactive planning approach to optimizing the costs and preventing them from being spent later whereas cost reduction is actually what more companies are emphasizing in today's economy it's more reactive it's reducing the costs that are already planned by working to minimize the amount that actually goes out the door so it's kind of a tops down versus bottoms up approach both have key benefits but fundamentally they're they are very different so is the ideal situation to have cost control over cost cutting in your business I think it's more of a process. So cost control is more of the start and how you should begin the journey. And cost reduction is more like ongoing little by little maintenance, right? Mm, yeah, for sure. And based on your entire experience in this field, why is it essential that we look at cost control first and foremost as this sort of proactive standpoint here? So I think we should be looking at cost control proactively because it's very much how you can get to the root of some very large opportunities to impact the business. Being involved at the budget planning stage really gives you that ability to understand where the heavy hitter costs are so that you can start to really get creative, bring in providers that you've met along the way that are experts in the area to support. I just think that if you're not engaged in the budget planning stage and in the cost control as to planning your operating costs, and you're only focusing on renegotiating, you know, whatever contract policy threshold it is, whether it's $100,000 <laughs> or whatever it is or more, you're just missing opportunities. Yeah, I think this um, will ring a lot of truce with a lot of procurement professionals because people always talk about this idea of early engagement. And Normally when they talk about early engagement, people are coming at it from the point of like, I just want to know when you're thinking about going out to market to, to find providers. What you're talking about here with cost control, we're way before that point, right? We're in the depths of planning before we even consider who we're going to go out to go talk to, right? Like this is really early doors with the entire business being involved. Right. This is at the corporate planning side, right? So this is when your entire business is planning how to operate and, you know, what is essential to the foundation of the business. And I mean, truly, that is where you get the most opportunities for things to not be missed. So for example, if it's supporting recruitment for peak season, optimizing inventory to eliminate wasted overhead, mitigating excess logistic costs, turning deadweight inventory into working capital, 
or even, you know, establishing a best in class BPO partnership where, you know, your company is struggling internally so that you can improve quality, have KPI reporting, reduce costs, and you can even generate revenue. These are reasons it's really crucial to have procurement in the cost control budget planning stages. Yeah, that's great. And what would your advice be for procurement professionals and teams out there who aren't currently involved in this phase? Like how can they get involved earlier on in this process and I guess be less of a servant to the business and be more involved in this day-to-day planning? Yeah. So I think it's really the way to do it is through disruptive thinking and having the confidence and the value they can bring. I think it truly starts with data and technology. So my recommendation is to have a reliable system that will consolidate and clean your committed and actual spend from your various resources, because that's how you now truly can see a big picture of how the business is doing. When you do get that consolidated data between whether it's your ERP, your expense system, your reimbursement system, and you finally see that all consolidated, I mean, you you feel like Tom Cruise. You're like, show me the money. I see the (laughs) money. I mean, now you finally get a picture on where that money is going. And and tail spend, it easily adds up and it's easily forgotten or it turns into bigger spend later. So once you have this data, you can definitely start discovering the opportunities, but it's really about having the context and the ability to understand at the budgeting level, what departments have had year-over-year increases or are facing struggles or risks and how they operate. So being part of those conversations with that data in hand is how you truly can control costs and generate cost avoidance in the multi-million dollar range. So my advice, make sure you have the data. If you don't have a way to consolidate it, advocate for it. I mean, procurement professionals are sales people by nature, right? So, you know, we know how to advocate, build a business case. So I definitely think that it's a year where we've all seen that you need to have visibility to where your spend is going so you can make truly, truly very viable recommendations for the business. Yeah, it's a really cool point, especially, you know, there's a lot of commentators on, you know, I see on LinkedIn and in various articles that are published that having a good foundational data layer of clean data is almost the starting point now for any procurement team. You kind of can't operate without it. You're flying blind. Are there any other challenges outside of data for procurement teams to get involved in this? Yeah. You know, the challenges are making sure that you're involved at the table, right? So part of the process. So right. Having the data is the first step just so that you have the visibility, but often hopefully finance and the stakeholders also have visibility and have recommendations on where they have areas for improvement. So the primary goal in that and recommendation of the biggest challenge is to get in the budget review process. So really the objective of this meeting is to hear from finance in each department where their pain points and cost drivers are. But you need to make sure that you have all three players in the room to keep everyone honest. I think that you know you need to have finance the stakeholder and yourself because a stakeholder may have one idea of what their budget drainer is, but finance could have a very different idea or priority. So definitely, I think that it's important to be in those meetings and to have the right players in the room too. Yeah, that's a good point. So procurement effectively needs to be better thought of in your organization, right? This, the point of having a seat at the table, potentially be on a C-suite or having very senior players like yourself, for example, your title is quite, you've got a very nice title at Spin. You are vice president of procurement, right? Yes, yes. And actually, it didn't start that way. So, you know, I started as 
a director and then I was promoted. And I think that this is where procurement can really demonstrate your value. I think, you know, you have to advocate for your creativity and your recommendations because you're an expert in your area and you really learn as a procurement professional how the business fundamentally operates, right? So you become the backbone of a company essentially because you interact with so many different departments and really understand where pain points can be. So I think that by not just allowing yourself to only focus on the scope of contracts within the policy and, you know, vendor relationships. This is a huge, huge, very fun, very important part of our business, but we can do more. We can provide more value. And I think being able to advocate for that value is how you can get a seat at the table and get promoted quickly. And I've found success in my career because I haven't held back. And I don't know if my other C-suite peers have not had experience with other procurement that can add value other than just cost savings, but they definitely understand that I bring more value and constantly say that, you know, I'm more than just a PO pusher or a procurement person that's connected. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, what all of us want to hear essentially, right? So I truly think that the best way to do this and the best strategies to making this happen is to form the key relationships with your stakeholders so that they trust you and they want to include you in your budget meetings and honestly not taking no for an answer. I mean, respectfully, right? Like, <laughs> but truly advocate for yourself. Procurement is often seen as that PO pusher, but we are the strategic backbone, like I said, and can make a massive impact to the PL. But you have to have that consolidated and clean data. So I think foundation step number one, if you don't have that, advocate for it. Pro tip, make sure once you do find a system that it can consolidate all of your data from your ERP, if that's where your finances are held, your expense reporting system and your reimbursement, because you'd be shocked at how much money goes out the door on credit cards that finance or, you know, the, the company doesn't have visibility to. So if you can show them that money, that's how you really start getting a seat at that table, I think. Yeah, some really amazing career advice for one there. And that last point, especially of uh, looking into like expenses and <laughs> the credit card spend is, uh, yeah. yeah, I've seen some horror shows <laughs> in that space. No, that was some incredible advice there, Sarah. And uh, what's one commonly held belief about cost control that you passionately disagree with? Um, I think that cost control can eliminate the need for cost reduction later. I think a lot of people think that if cost control is done on the front end, you shouldn't have to, you know, reduce costs later. But, you know, honestly, procurement is always going to have the expectation to obtain cost savings. Companies are always going to be pushing to reduce costs as they should. But I do think that hopefully it should set a company up to be more strategic and planful in their cost reduction efforts later if cost control is done right. Also, I think honestly that I disagree with there seems to be a stigma around cost reduction in general, just that it's not an area that procurement should focus on to demonstrate their value. But, uh, you know, you may be seeing a lot of LinkedIn posts, a lot of people saying procurement's more than cost reduction. We need to demonstrate our value. And, and I agree. I mean, we can generate revenue for the business and we absolutely need to showcase that. But I don't think that we need to, you know, push cost reduction as if it's not valuable because, when done right, it requires creativity, persuasion, risk assessment, trust, and follow through. So personally, I get 
super energized every time that I get to send a summary out with an executed contract done by myself or my team with the savings that were delivered. But I also do just the same. I get just as excited every time that we get to make a strategic business decision that maximizes productivity or increases the value to our stakeholders or optimizes how we operate. So every aspect of it is exciting. And I, I think cost control, cost reduction, these are something that we should be passionate and energetic around as well. Yeah, that's a really good insight there. It's, you know, I've always looked at it and how I guess some of my mentors pushed down onto me was that it's fundamentally it's the foundational layer of what a procurement professional is. And to your point, like if you're doing it properly, you're going to be bringing in suppliers early on. You've got that relationship building, risk management, everything that needs to be done is getting done in that process, especially if you're taking a more proactive approach there. So there's some really good insights there. A lot of us, you know, we still, you know, when we get our hand in a contract and say, get this reduced by 10%, of course, we're all going to roll our eyes and go, oh gosh, you know, here we go. They think we have some magic wand here, but <laughs> that's where the creativity and the strategic, you know, I, I, I don't know about others, but I definitely take those as a challenge to under promise, but over deliver. And I think that's what we all try to live by. So get the eye roll first, it's warranted, but then we do our best to make it happen. And that's exciting. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm with you there. And I think many of us have done countless eye rolls whenever yeah. we have uh, what feels like a impossible ask. But I guess if we can just knock a little bit off in certain areas. And let's face it, typically, I know you mentioned SaaS contracts and things like that early on in our conversation. Mm -hmm. There's always deals to be done there, right? As well, you can normally work out some pretty cool arrangement, especially in exchange for things like marketing and case studies and things like that, as you can get some good discounts there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's very true. And I think that actually, I, I like that you brought up case studies and you know these marketing reports, because I think that those are a really great resource actually to benefit both companies. I, I think that it's a great way that if you're going to provide your service and I'm enjoying your service, I'm happy to put out you know a marketing report or a statement out there so that we can truly help to grow your business. And at the same time, it's mutually beneficial because now if I'm getting some cost savings or a, a better contract renewal because of it, it's very win-win. And I think it's a great way to do that. Obviously, a lot of companies are used to now at this point, more and more companies are doing that for them. But I think it still is valuable for sure. Yeah, one thing that I always looked at with those was, is this case study going to potentially make the business that I'm in a better option for future employees? Because we can kind of show off like, oh yeah, we're working with these cool providers or solutions and you should come join us because you get to use the best tech, the best software and the best outsource partners out there. And we want to show that off in the, the early stages. And it was just a really useful tool to do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm going to uh, jump into some closing questions because the time has, honestly, Sarah, it's just blitzed by. It's, you're, <laughs> you're so easy to talk to and you have so much knowledge here. So I'm just going to jump into this round of closing questions. These are typically questions that we fundamentally ask everyone that comes on. And um, if you don't know specifics like ranges or just like rough ideas, always useful. These questions, we're hoping to use them to kind of give people comparisons in like different industries, different stages of maturity within procurement teams and businesses. And uh, I'm hoping, yeah, over time, it'll build up quite a cool library of information. So the first question I was going to ask is, how many contracts do you currently manage? Too many. <laughs> <laughs> Such a, um, I know that feeling. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, especially with the end of year rush before the holidays, it's like contracts are coming out of the wood- woodwork right now. But yeah. I like to say it's probably about 10 at a given time. That's too much, I think. But it also depends at the, you know, how complex each contract is, what level of involvement. Some of them I'm more of consulting the business on versus me leading. And of course, that sure. all depends on the criteria that we have in our policy. But yeah, I would say most of the time it's around 10 at a given time. But contracts, my department oversees all indirect contracts. So essentially every single contract is under us. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's uh, extremely time consuming to do very good contract management on those. Be super interested, like how many vendors are you currently managing as well, Sarah? Yeah. So again, like leading the department, all of the vendors for us, the spend threshold is $75,000 for every contract to be led by procurement to truly manage the vendor relationship. Yeah. So it's pretty low, right? That's really interesting, actually. In general, I talk to a lot of people, especially like over the last few years, I've been talking to new procurement people every week, it feels like. Yeah. And not many operate like this that I talk to. It almost feels like procurement tries to hold on to everything in some way. And your approach is fundamentally not to do that. Oh, yeah. So you're the people you talk to, they want to even a $10,000? Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Oh my yeah. gosh, you know. I've been uh, sadly part and parcel of that and just thinking like, well, what on earth are we doing here? This is such an inefficient way to manage the business. It won't let you be strategic. It won't allow your team yeah, to really you can't. be, you know, you're bogged down, right? Yeah. And I think this is a really good point with your entire piece on cost control. There's no way you could even get proactive if you're holding on to everything. So this kind of makes sense why you're able to to do all of this. Right. And I, I formulate it so that, you know, of course I'm available. My team's available, you know, for a $30,000 contract, you can consult with us and I can give you some marketing trend insights or other vendors to talk to, but um, no, we're not leading it unless it's 75,000 or more in annual spend. But of course I think, you know, every company has to figure out what the right number is for them. I've, when I worked at Target or Radisson, of course, the numbers were very different. Spin is a much <laughs> more mature, growing, fast growing startup. So I reduced the threshold there because I don't want to have any Makes sense. misses there. But of course, also besides, it could be a $30,000 contract, but with a lot of risk is tied. So there's a little gray there because if it's a vendor that has more visibility to our core business or risk there, but we don't spend as much, I'll get involved in the negotiation and management there as well. So a little caveat there. Yeah, yeah, that's no, a good caveat to have for sure. Yeah, no, that, that was super interesting. Thanks so much for sharing that. And what is one piece of tech that you currently use that you can't live without? Oh, you know, so of course it's the consolidated spend tool that I have. So I, I definitely mm. think that's my my one tool. I'm in it every single day just to be able to see how my SaaS contracts, it's all SaaS related. So how all of our IT contracts are licensed provisioned versus how many are actually being used because it's oh, like sure. my single yeah. sign on. So for renewals, that's the first thing I look at. And it also for finance to be able to show how much money is going to go out the door each quarter based on our contract life cycle. But that. Otherwise, honestly, a CLM, a really good contract lifecycle management, a repository for your contracts is so vital. Yeah, I'm with you there for sure. And um, this is such a weird question. And like, I've, it feels weirder the more I ask it, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. So I'm a procurement genie here, Sarah, and you have one wish. What do you wish for? I actually love that question. I don't think it's weird it's at all. It's just a way to ask. Who doesn't want wishes? Tis the season. <laughs> we all want a wish. <laughs> Can I have a holiday wish? It's time. I wish everything yeah, is always definitely. urgent. I think every procurement person just wants time. It goes back to being involved early on and being part of the planning. But even when you are, 
things still constantly come out of the woodwork and are urgent last minute of, you know, I last minute my business now needs to buy this and we needed it yesterday. I mean, that's where we make things happen and always we'll do our best to do it, but we'd always love a little bit more time <laughs> and a good yeah. PP. Yeah, and with you there, I think you've probably just made people feel a lot better about themselves. That even though you're so involved so early on, that you still have these urgent requests coming at the last moment. I imagine that's yeah, making people feel a little bit better. But Sarah, this has been wonderful chatting to you. I really appreciate your time here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Daniel. I really appreciate it. Procurement Reimagined is brought to you by Gatekeeper. To find out more about Gatekeeper and how our vendor and contract lifecycle management solution is delivering visibility, control, and compliance to our customers, visit www.gatekeeperhq.com. And then make sure to search for Procurement Reimagined in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Gatekeeper, thanks for listening.